Chapters 35 and 36 of The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. Chapters 35 and 36. Chapter 35. As we have mentioned before, this creature, so favored by God, was married at the age of sixteen to Giuliano Adorno, who, although of a noble family, was of a perverse and stubborn temper, and conducted his affairs so badly that he was reduced to poverty. Yet she was always obedient, and patient with his whims and eccentricities, but at the same time she suffered so much from him, that with difficulty she preserved her health and became so reduced and wasted, that she was a most pitiable object. She lived in a solitary house, alone, to satisfy him, and never went out except to attend mass, and then return as quickly as possible, for she would endure anything rather than give pain to others. Almighty God, seeing that this soul could be brought to great perfection, enabled her to support all this, without murmuring, in silence, and with the greatest patience. For the first few years she was kept in such subjection that she knew nothing of what was going on in the world. But during the five following, she sought to divert herself from the great vexations which her husband caused her by associating with other ladies and occupying herself with the affairs of the world as they did. But she was soon after called by the Lord and left this way of life, never to return to it again. And by the goodness of God, she was permitted to live with her husband as a sister with a brother. Her husband became a member of the third order of St. Francis, and was finally visited by a severe illness, which he bore so impatiently, that his wife became greatly distressed for the salvation of his soul. As his end approached, she withdrew into a retired apartment, and there, with tears and sobs, implored her sweet love to save him, saying, O oh, love, I beg of thee this soul, I pray thee give it to me, for thou canst do it. Persevering in this for the space of half an hour, an interior voice at length assured her that she was heard, and returning to her husband's chamber, she found him so calm and changed, that by every word and act, he manifested his submission to the divine will. This miracle was made known by the Blessed One herself, to a spiritual child of hers, after the death of her husband. My son, she said, Giuliano is gone. You know his eccentricity, which caused me so much suffering during his life. But before he passed away, my sweet love assured me of his salvation. It was plain that God had caused her to say this, that the miracle might be made known. For afterwards, Catherine seemed to regret that she had spoken on the subject. But the person being very prudent, made no remark and began to talk of other things. After her husband had passed away in holy peace, and was buried, her friends would say to her that she was relieved from great trials, and to human reason, she indeed appeared to be released from great oppression, but she answered that she was not conscious of it, that all things were the same to her, and that she only cared to do the will of God. She also lost some of her brothers and sisters, but so closely was she united with the sweet will of God, that she did not suffer any more than if they had not been her own kindred. 
On account of this, she could not understand why one of her companions of the same house of Fieschi as herself, and married as she was, should leave the world by degrees, for fear of turning back. After the death of her husband, this person became a nun in a convent of the Observantines of St. Dominic, called also St. Sylvester. And twenty years after her profession, she was transferred to another convent of the same order, called the New Monastery, that she might reform it by introducing a stricter observance. She was called Sister Tomasa, was full of prudence and sanctity, and attained great perfection. She was superior of that monastery, and so burning was her zeal, that she was accustomed to write, compose, paint, and practice various devout exercises, in order to mitigate its violence. She wrote a treatise on the Apocalypse, and upon Dionysus the Areopagite, and other beautiful, devout, and edifying pieces. She painted with her own hand many holy countenances, the most remarkable is one of piety, resembling a certain very holy mystery, when the priest is consecrating at the altar. She wrought very delicately with her needle many pious subjects, among which is still seen in her first monastery, God the Father, surrounded by angels, with Christ and other figures of saints, worked with great skill and dignity. Many things were told of this mother's devout life and exemplary conversion, so full of the fervor of divine love, by the nuns of her first and second convents, as well as by pious seculars who were her friends. Also how happily she passed from this life, praising the Lord. Her death took place in the year 1534, when she was more than 86 years of age. As we have mentioned, the blessed Catherine wondered how, when she was yet in the world, she could make such a slow progress in contempt of the world. But she herself, on the other hand, said that Catherine, for so she called her, considered her desperate, and that it would be a dreadful mortification to her if she should turn back. Catherine was more surprised at this thought of turning back, and could not understand it. If I should turn back, she said, I should not only wish my eyes to be put out, but that every kind of punishment and insult should be inflicted on me. The wonderful designs of God are manifested in these two women, belonging to the same period, and both married, one of whom was converted by infused grace, and at once made perfect, while the other arrived at perfection, by virtue slowly acquired. Chapter 36 A man, named Marco Dal Sale, who was suffering from cancer of his nose, was trying every remedy that could be devised by the skill of physicians, and finding no relief, became almost desperately impatient. His wife, Argentina, seeing his condition, went to the hospital where the Holy Catherine lived, and begged her to visit her sick husband, and pray the Lord for him, and the saint, as if under obedience, complied. This blessed soul was so obedient, that if an aunt had come to ask her to perform some act of mercy, she would at once have followed it. Catherine, having arrived at the house of the sick man, somewhat consoled him by a few humble and devout words. Returning afterwards to the hospital with Argentina, they entered a church called St. Mary of Grace, and there kneeling, Catherine was moved to pray for the sick man. Having finished her prayer, she returned with Argentina to the hospital, and when the latter had taken leave of her and gone home, she found her husband so changed, that from a demon he had almost become an angel, and, 
Turning to Argentina, he exclaimed with joy and tenderness, Oh, Argentina, tell me who is that holy soul whom you have brought here? And Argentina answered, It is Madonna Catherine Adorno, whose life is most perfect. The sick man then implored her, by the love of God, that she would bring her there again. The next day she complied with this request, and having related to St. Catherine what occurred, brought her home with her again. She knew, however, beforehand, the condition of this sick man, in the answer to her secret prayer. For she never made a special prayer, except when interiorly moved to it by her love, by which also she knew that it was favorably heard. When she entered the room, the sick man saluted her, and continued weeping for some time, then said, The reasons why I have asked you to come here again are, first, to thank you for your charity towards me, and then to ask you one more favor, which I pray you not to deny me. After you left me, our Lord Jesus Christ himself appeared visibly to me, under the form in which he appeared to Magdalene in the garden, gave me his most holy blessing, pardoned my sins, and said that he appeared to me, because on Ascension Day I was to go to him. Therefore I pray you, most kind mother, that you may be pleased to accept Argentina as your spiritual daughter, retaining her always near you, and I pray you, Argentina, to consent to this. Both answered him joyfully that they were content. After Catherine had gone, the sick man sent for an Augustinian father from a monastery called the Consolation, and having carefully made his confession and received communion, summoned a notary and his relatives, and arranged all his affairs, satisfying every one. They all thought that his sufferings had turned his head, and told him to be comforted, that he would soon recover, and that there was no need for his attending to these things, but he was too wise to be influenced by their persuasions. The vigil of the ascension having arrived, he sent again for his confessor, again made his confession, and received holy communion. Then he received extreme unction with recommendation of the soul, all with great devotion, in preparation for his journey. Night coming on, he said to his confessor, Return to your monastery, and when the time comes, I will send for you. Everyone having gone, he was left alone with his wife, and turning towards her with the crucifix in his hand, said, Argentina, I leave you this for your spouse. Prepare to suffer, for I assure you that you will have to do so. Which she indeed did, both mentally and from long-continued bodily infirmity. He passed the night in exhorting and encouraging her to give herself entirely to God, to be willing to endure suffering, which is the ladder of ascent to heaven. When it was day, he said, Argentina, God be with you, for the hour is come. And having uttered these words, he expired, and his spirit knocked at the window of his confessor's cell, saying, Ecce homo, which when the confessor heard, he knew that Marco had passed to his lord. After the burial of Marco, the blessed Catherine received Argentina as her spiritual daughter, according to her promise, and this by a divine dispensation, for, if she had not had such a spiritual child, she could not have lived in the state of abstraction in which she was often thrown by the burning fires of her sweet love. As she loved this daughter of hers very much, she took her with her whenever she went out, and one day, when they were passing the before-mentioned church, Our Lady of Grace, she entered, and after making her devotions, she said to Argentina, 
This is the place where grace was obtained for your husband. The Lord permitted her to say this, that the miracle might be made known for our edification. End of chapters 35 and 36